Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me. With me, as always, new cut fresh, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Woo! Nothing much, Mike. You know, got that new fresh confidence on a hump day. It just makes me think of Spice Adams. Every time I see someone get a new haircut, Anthony Adams, former NFL defensive tackle and internet sensation, famed for the new cut videos. I don't know at this point where he is in the internet life cycle process because I feel like he was very early into the former professional athlete becoming a viral sensation online. Like We had him walk so that guys like Andrew Hawkins and eventually Mr. Go30 could fly, I think, because former athletes doing those internet skits really, I think, began virally, at least with him. You could probably say that. I mean, he was early on. I feel like you saw videos of him fresh from the Bears 
Um, but he's gotten he's gotten plucked. He's gotten elevated. I think he's the Brandon Newman of the Big Shack podcast. Uh, like, I think, like I think he's been he's been uh, he's 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 gotten his number called and he's doing very important things now. He has important things that we will discuss because we get a great show coming up. Part of what's happened on that Shack podcast going to be relevant later on in this conversation. We will also talk to Kansas Jayhawks head football coach Lance Leipold, who is become the name and the topic du jour around college football as so many big jobs opened up. People are starting to look at Lance Leipold's name, a guy who started off as a Division three coach and had all sorts of success at Wisconsin Whitewater and now is doing great things for the undefeated Jayhawks that are going to host college game day. So awesome to talk to Coach Leipold. He's a guy that I got to cover when he was at Buffalo, um, and he's a guy that I think is, as you listen to him talk, it's going to be very interesting for anyone that also listened to Kalen DeBoer the Washington head coach who joined this podcast mm-hmm. not too long ago. Similar background as someone who got their start, you know, for Kalen DeBoer, it was coaching at his alma mater at Sioux Falls, but the way they talked about team building and the importance of continuity, bringing staffs that have been with them together for multiple stops, just really interesting to see the through lines for two coaches that have had a lot of early success with their jump to the Power Five, and the results, I, I think, can all kind of go back to the way that they approach this stuff, so really good quick chat with with Coach Leipold, but Brandon, We've got two bits of big news for the day. Which one do you want first? I'm going to give you. Do mm. you want a? Do you want A or B? See, you said A or B, and I, I was going to say I want. I like the bad news first. So let's just go. Let's just go B. Well, I think this technically would be the bad news first. Um, the good news is Aaron Judge finally hit home run number 62. So. That's great stuff, and we're very happy for him, and we'll get to plenty of that. The bad news is, Brandon, that apparently the average person would die if they ate 1,627 pieces of candy corn. This is not verified. This is courtesy of that Uberfax Twitter account that is verified, so take that for what it's worth. But I don't know how they landed on that number, but now I'm very intrigued. Yeah, actually, give me that number, the figure again. Uh, 1,627 pieces of candy corn. Wow, Mike, I'm close. I'm close. Is, is that in a sitting? Because like, I, I don't want to put myself in danger. Maybe I should just go cold turkey with the candy corn uh, just to save my life. I do like the idea that it's a cumulative number instead of just a one-sitting number. Like the minute you get to that number <laughs> lifetime, you start to see like stranger things where the clock shows up in, the ho- in your house implanted into the wall and you just hear chimes because it's your time to go. Exactly. I mean, Louisville, Kentucky does... Halloween very well. Uh, Waverly Hills is here. The sanatorium. If you've watched any horror uh, thing in America, you've seen Louisville, Kentucky featured. And we have a lot of a lot of deaths early on in life, Mike. I think it might be candy corn related versus uh, all these cigarettes that everyone's smoking. My parents went and tried a bag. There's a new. They dropped a new candy corn that has strange flavors in it, and some of them are nice flavors. I think there's like a sort of like Kool Aid like one candy corn. More, more or less because they have like hot dog flavor and a couple ones that would be off-putting. And my parents tried them the other day, and they tried to act like you could actually taste the difference. And here's my thing. I'm going to try them. I'm going to be in South Bend with my parents next week. I'm going to have the opportunity. They're holding on to them for me, and I know candy corns age very well. But my thing is, as much as I love candy corn, the delta in taste 
between a base candy corn and some specialty flavor cannot be there. I understand it is essentially like eating wax, and I don't think there's any way these things taste that different. I don't know, Mike. I mean, I would say so, but then the Harry Potter jelly bean phase went on, and kids nowadays, Mike, it's like a, a, a... like a board game, you go get you get the candy uh, jelly beans, and you don't know what the flavor is. And for example, like the 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 version that's marshmallow. Remember back in the day with those these little things. Now it can be booger, snot, seawater, and it's you're you're supposed to taste it to figure it out. Well, yeah, no, listen, I shout out Big Birdie Bots, every flavor beans guy. Like I have lived okay. that life, and I understand how that goes. But jelly beans actually have the capacity to taste very different. These are the flavors. They went tailgate uh, candy corn is the branding for this. The flavors are fruit punch, vanilla ice cream, hot dog, hamburger, and popcorn. And I got to be honest, I am not afraid of what hot dog and hamburger taste like. One, because I like burgers and dogs. And two, because again, I don't think these things... This is like when Stu Gatz on the Dan Levitard show claimed that he could taste the different colors of uh, Fruit Loops. That he knew the purple oh, one was different. Of course you do. <laughs> I can believe that, Mike. I mean, I grew up knowing which Olsen's uh, twin was on screen during Full House. Uh, and they switched them out quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, I can I can understand being able to taste the flavor of the Fruit Loop. Well, you know what? I will investigate and see if there's any difference in these flavors when it comes to candy corn. Because my mission on this earth is to spread the gospel of candy corn to the masses. I believe people need to give love a chance. And I think this is a candy worth your time. I honestly, by the way, too, just a side note, um, I think they're missing the mark. Different flavors, I don't think is going to be your bag. More different shapes. Take Take a page out of the Reese's book. The shapes are better than the original Reese's. I think the pumpkins are a really interesting variant of candy corn. I understand it's supposed to be literal candy corn kernels. I think we can branch out into different things, and I think it would have exciting potential. Just food for thought, pun intended. That's interesting. That's interesting. Dino bite size candy corn. I'm, I'm, I think they're trying to make it less like they want kids to eat it less, though, I think. So it's, making it fun shapes isn't going to help that at all. Hey, man, I'm trying to push candy corn propaganda on this podcast. But, Brandon, uh, the good news, as we mentioned, Aaron Judge finally does it. He hits donger number 62 uh, in their game against the Rangers on Tuesday. It was part of a doubleheader. He took uh, Jesus Tinoco deep in the first inning of that one, hit 62. And, Brandon, first and foremost, I'm just really happy for him, his family, everyone involved in this, that it's over now. We were getting down to the wire. We had talked about how tenuous the situation became around 61 for a little bit. So first and foremost, congratulations to Aaron Judge, his family, everyone who went on this journey with him, the Yankees, because it was legitimately nice to see for him all of that pressure leading up to this moment. You were wondering if between other teams walking him and I'm sure what was in an incredibly mental sport, his own mental battle with having to come and try and finally get over the hump on this number was pretty wild. Yeah, it's a, you know, the um, blessing and curse that comes with the talent of Aaron Judge. Like he did this amazing historic feat, but he had to finish it out. And all the drama that's going on with the fans, 
jumping over the railing, trying to get the ball and, and all this stuff that's going on afterwards. This is this is where I step in. I, I'm I'm obsessed with all the headlines from here on out about the 60 second home run ball. That yeah. Hit so so where are we at with that then? Because in the video you do see one fan go hurtling into the bullpen area. There, we're not sure. I'm not sure if that fan's okay. I hope that fan's okay. I wish him well. And then, do you know who caught the home run ball? Yes, Corey Eumanns, uh, the Texas Rangers fan. So I actually think Corey Humans is like someone of note. Um, I don't know. I saw online that people were talking about whatever his job was. I don't. Do you think that the fan like? Because I know everyone talks about how much you could sell that for. I feel like it's kind of weird if you don't give the home run ball back to Aaron Judge, right? Like the thought of trying to sell it to him, usually we've seen like with Albert Pujols, we talked about that home run ball for him where the fans gave it back and then Albert Pujols found out that, you know, that uh, the wife of the couple that caught it had recently had a loss in her family and so he just let them keep the ball and sign some stuff for him. I feel like that's always the way to go about this stuff, but I know everyone's going to be focused on how much this ball is worth, which seems kind always seems kind of weird to me. Yeah, I I don't I I understand the <laughs> the child mentality of I found it it's mine. This is mine. I'm going to keep it. But I do I kind of lean towards the historical nature of it and I think there's so much more that you can get back from being generous and being thoughtful for the actual millionaire athlete who could probably afford to buy that ball up off you. But the generosity will probably go much uh, much longer way if he was just to hand it over. It said the Memory Lane uh, Auctions has offered $2 million for the ball. So Humans is the vice president of a local branch of a company called Fisher Investments. So I think that was why I saw something about his, like, either how many assets they manage or something like that that basically made it seem like a rich guy caught the ball who was in line to get richer, which is, I don't know, it's always a little like, bit uncomfortable. I mean, it's the seventh home run record in Major League Baseball history. This is the one that's like that's so old that, like you know, like golf, black people weren't allowed at first. Like, I, I, it's it really is historic. Like, I do think there needs to be a little bit more. It was like with that Tom Brady ball uh, in Tampa Bay that that guy found and, and gave back Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Like, I don't think the guy needs to hand it over until they actually have a secession plan for the ball. <laughs> Yeah, I, again, like, I, I understand that's how this stuff kind of goes. I just always think it's weird, and that ball should go to Aaron Judge, who had a really big moment. Like, baseball is tough because in other sports like football that you mentioned, we usually see when an important play happens involving a football, that football gets handed off, put in a case for someone on the sideline, and then hold for them after the game. Baseball, it's the only one where major accomplishment like this has a ball jettisoned into a crowd full of people um, to lead to this situation. Brandon. You mentioned the the you know not so quiet part, very loud. That this is not the all time home run record. Now it's the AL home run record for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. It's tremendous significance. Roger Maris Jr., the son of the late Roger Maris, has been on hand through a lot of this and talked glowingly about Aaron Rudge and Aaron Judge and about how this is the clean home run record. Like we don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. This isn't the home run record. Mm-hmm. It is tremendously important, but. 
Barry Bonds is the home run king. Barry Bonds is my home run king. And yes. you you cited, there's a ton of shit about baseball's past that would lend a lot of different records to not necessarily having the credence that they do. But Brandon, it, it's just funny because the lens I saw this through. So all-time, Barry Bonds, 73 in a season. Mark McGuire has hit 70 and 65 in a season. And Sammy Sosta has hit 66, 64, and 63 in a season. So those are the six seasons... <laughs> Single season records ahead of what Aaron wow. Judge has done, and I, I get wow. it. I know it's it's crazy to think back it's th- on. It's, yeah, it's only three people. <laughs> I right, mean, like it's a it's a bunch of records, but it's only three humans. Three humans that were all a part of like our early baseball lifetime. And Brandon, that's right. why this whole thing was interesting to me because I know. Um, for college football fans, there is tremendous relief in that their weekends will no longer be cut in by Aaron Judge home run chase attempts, that people watching games like Clemson yes. and Wake Forest won't have to deal with this. I, I had to confess this finally yesterday. I didn't mind the cut-ins, actually. Like, I enjoyed the meme fodder and I enjoyed how mad it made people, but I actually kind of enjoyed the fact that as we were chasing a, an historic number, it wasn't the yes. historic number, but an historic number. It was reminiscent of my childhood. I do remember when those home run races were going on, and you would see Sports Center break into that, or they would go live to this. It felt big, and it was the first yes. time in a while that we had had a moment that felt big like that, and it was kind of fun, and it was kind of thrilling. And as someone who doesn't watch a lot of baseball games, the live cut-in for this defined chance at a really cool moment is my preferred method of digestion for this. Yeah, Mike, I mean, my brain, I'm with you. I love the fact that they've been doing these jump-ins and cut-ins and the box-in-box that uh, everyone is is so upset about, mainly because the historic moment. It's like when John Lennon got shot during Monday Night Football or uh, I think they had the OJ chase during the NBA Finals. Like, historical moments deserve the box-in-box, and this is one of those things. And, uh, you know, I think – College football and baseball and the tradition and the history probably more connected than not. So, yes, well, I, uh, I appreciated I, it. I think that's the opposite is so many people's contention was what college football fan cares about this? What person watching the Clemson-Wake Forest game cares about the Yankees? And that was a lot of the reply I saw online. And I think, one, the internet's not always – diagram. I, I don't think it's always there. But I also will say this. I don't think the internet's always a perfect overlap of that. I think it's a different sample size and a place where we go to be vocal with things we don't like. It's why it was so fun making memes about how pissed off college football fans were in this. But Brandon, I do think the other part of why people may have bristled a little more at that is because, again, this record comes with a bunch of asterisks of its own to use baseball's love language. It wasn't him going after Barry Bond 73. It wasn't the number. And when you're talking about the casual fan especially, which anyone watching a college football game is more than likely in my camp, in our camp, of being a casual baseball fan, you're attracted mm-hmm. to... If it, let's put it this way. If he had been going for Bond's number, I think the response is somewhat different. I don't think it's totally different because, again, we like to complain about stuff, but I think it's somewhat different if it's the number and not just an important number in the world of Major League Baseball. You think that ma- that matters to the casual college football fan? 
I think so, man, because I think at some point I, I, we're hardwired to want to say that we were around for an all-time historical moment. It's why I always root for guys like LeBron James. It's why I always root for, on the top end, to some extent, guys like Brady and Aaron Rodgers, because, or like even Mahomes now is a good example. I always want to yeah. be able to say that in my lifetime, I saw the greatest to ever do blank. I think it's a unique honor as a sports fan to be able to say, hey, the bulk of my sports watching lifetime was spent watching this person who is better at their job than almost everyone. It's why the LeBron Jordan debate is so guarded along generational lines, because I think we all kind of have that selfish desire to say that you didn't see what I saw. And so when it comes to all time records, I think if you had had something like the home run record that was such a big foundational moment for anyone really in the millennial generation, anyone over the age of 30, you grew up with that home run race between McGuire and Sosa and then Bonds chasing it later on as foundational moments of your baseball lifetime. And it's a record that in this country, even as baseball's popularity has waned somewhat, I think would still matter enough to draw like that. So I'm not saying it would have won everybody over, but I think if you had had that been the record, if you had Aaron Judge, face of the New York Yankees, large baseball player going after the all-time home run record that we thought would never be touched because so many people look at it as tainted by the steroid era, which I don't. But if you had had him going after that one, I feel like the tone around it's a little different because at some point, I think we all like to say we got to see the historical moment happen and not just see it a couple of minutes later once the clip hits Twitter. Yeah, that's fair. I, I feel like we are more sheep than not, though, and we are... Uh... We get excited about what we're told to get excited about. And I think this Aaron Judge I, I think this Aaron Judge home run record was worth it and big enough. And I, I, if anyone was yawning at the fact that, you know, he, he beat the record and is now uh, atop a of Roger Maris, at least for the Yankees, I don't think they're going to get up for if Aaron Judge ends up chasing this thing again. And it's, 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 it's in the 70s this time. I see. Yeah, I just I, I disagree. Like I think, I think they did all the right things, like you said, about making it feel big. I think that was the goal because, again, that's a playbook we've seen work elsewhere. But I just think after hearing about it for so long, because it became the dominant storyline, it was one of the biggest storylines in the major league season. But as we got closer to the number, it took center stage, and yeah. I think at that point, especially now, there's so much news all the time, twenty four hour news cycle. You're seeing it everywhere. And at some point, I think you go, all right, well, I'm still doing the math, me, the average fan who's not as concerned with, oh, steroids and all that stuff in baseball. We understand and believe that a lot of people were on steroids and that this is probably a more pervasive problem than Major League Baseball wants it to seem like. And so those numbers of McGuire, Sosa, and Bonds, it's like Reggie Bush's Heisman. You're not going to make mm. me forget what I saw. And so this moment's always going to feel just a little bit short of what it could be. It's still very impressive. I don't want to take away. Aaron Judge had an awesome season. I heard freaking Buster Olney, who is a baseball encyclopedia, say that this may be the single greatest hitting season in Major League history as Aaron Judge was already inching towards the Triple Crown. All that stuff Man. matters, and it is impressive. I'm just saying as far as its reception from other fan bases like we saw taking place. I do think that there's some small part of it that if it had been the true record would have been received a little bit differently. So that's at least how I kind of internalize that. It was fun. It did again feel a bit nostalgic to when I was a kid watching those big time home run races and seeing it inserted into so many other platforms. So congrats to Aaron Judge. 
awesome accomplishment, all rise and such and whatnot and so forth. Did you see that Reggie Bush commercial, uh, the Wendy's, where they're saying, Reggie Bush got something taken from him, but we're going to give it back. And it's like this bacon pub burger and Reggie Bush is like, yeah, I got it. I got it back. I got it. And the lady's like, should we tell him it's only limited time? And I'm like, I don't know if I enjoy the joking. I enjoy that Reggie Bush is okay poking fun at his Heisman being taken away. History actually being changed in that way. But for it to be reduced X amount of years later, 10, 20, uh, 10 15 years later to a Wendy's commercial, I, I don't know. It's the most American thing. It is. It's American as apple pie. That's a true coming full circle story that Reggie Bush, who lost that Heisman because he was making money sooner than he was supposed to, is now getting to celebrate that Heisman by making money as he's always been supposed to. I just want to know if him and Reggie Miller live at the same Wendy's. Oh, my God. <laughs> it looks like it, Mike. Reggie Reggie takes care of the afternoon. and uh, 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 Ooh, Reggie. Reggie Miller takes care of the breakfast menu and... Uh, Oh wait a minute! No, no, Reggie Bush. I don't takes know. I've seen them both in the morning yeah. and the afternoon. I think they take. I think they divide it up like half the week type thing, rather than a morning or night type thing. If you have any information okay. about the whereabouts of either one of the Reggies as it pertains to that Wendy's, hit us up at Gojo Show on Twitter. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk to Lance Leipold, the head coach of the undefeated Kansas Jayhawks football team. Next. All right, guys, let's talk about Jaegermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm sure it's a fun, busy week for you guys. It is. It's uh, crazy good, though, right? Exactly. No, this the the stuff you do all the work for. Obviously, is uh, getting to getting to moments like this. And uh, coach, I, I I guess to that end, what's it been like, and what was it like getting the announcement? College game day coming to Lawrence for the first time for you and for the guys on the team getting that news. Yeah, it was uh, Saturday evening. Travis Goff, athletic director, kind of reached out to me. Said it was going going to probably be announced in the next thirty minutes, and obviously he was very excited. And uh, you know, it kind of you know it was a just a good feeling for the players. You know, you, you know, especially where this program has been, and something like this has never happened here in Lawrence. So all those kind of things, as you see, it's like we've been able to stack a few things uh, together, and and uh, have an opportunity to have something like this is is really special. And then, uh, as you know, then on Sunday mornings you start putting on the film and then you see how good TCU is and then you you get your mind off game day pretty quickly and on to the Horned Frogs. Yeah, you mentioned 
getting this point where a group that did experience so much losing for so long now is starting to get some good stuff. You guys are ranked for the first time since 2009 as a program, which is awesome for a lot of us that have been beating the drum to rank Kansas here as you guys have had so much success this season. How do you go about communicating that to this group of players? Like, hey, it's okay to be excited about all these things, but also to kind of focus back in, like you said. Yeah, it's an excellent question. You know, we talked a little bit last week when we weren't ranked. They said, okay, we're not ranked. So what would we have done if we were ranked? We talked about going back to work and making it happen. Well, you go back and make it happen, but do you want a, you want just a sliver of this thing and a, a fleeting moment of some recognition, or do you want to try to really, really add another chapter to something that, that could be pretty special and people really start talking about what kind of team this really is? And and uh, I've been, you know, so far, at least, you know, within what you can control these days, of course, with all the access to social media and things like that is in the, in the walls of this building, our guys have done an excellent job of, of focus, uh, continuing their preparation and the things that you ask of them and eliminating, you know, those type of distractions. And, you know, last week was a hard fought game, 14-11 you know, there's so there's plenty on film and a game of that low scoring and other opportunities that happen that you have to improve upon. And and I think that's also um, our guys have recognized that and it's grabbed their attention that we've got a, we've got a lot to do yet. I think that's always something the outside world has a hard time with. I go back and I remember my my first game of my last year at Notre Dame. We went to Ireland and beat Navy by like 30 points and we were all on cloud nine and we come back and I don't know if I had gotten coached as hard as that in my entire <laughs> life as that next week because there was so much stuff to fix. But that goes back to the DNA of your team. And you guys talked a lot about how the timing of your hire last year made certain things difficult for you. But going into this year, when did you kind of look at this team and see something was different, that they might be capable of what we've seen so far? Oh, well, Mike, uh, I'd say I've kind of answered that question and that's been, you know, similar or like it in in the fashion of, you know, we played better down the stretch after the Texas game. Okay. Not just the Texas win in overtime, but the next two weeks, one was TCU and the other was West Virginia, two close losses. But the way we went about it in practice was starting to take the necessary steps of, of becoming a better football team. Then the first day of spring football, it was night and day of uh, volume and energy of understanding schematics and what they're doing. And I thought the confidence was starting to rise. And then as we headed into fall camp, I knew we were better. I, I knew we, we knew we had better depth, but you just don't know, especially in today's portal portal world, easy for me to say that uh, you, uh, you just don't know how everyone else is improving as well. You know, you, you kind of could look at this, you know, the preview magazines or, or, or what's on tape from the year before. And you got a really good idea how teams are going to be. Well, now you inject older players in many different spots. You just don't know how well everyone else is getting better around you. So as we approach that opener against Tennessee Tech, um, I said, yeah, I know we're better. Let's see how much. And uh, we played pretty, pretty really well that day. But it's probably then the the trip out to Morgantown when we fell down 14-0 and, and found a way to come back and win on the road. Yeah, there's been a lot of variety already in the ways that you guys have won games that's been really impressive. You mentioned the portal, too. We've seen, I think, a lot of parity in college football so far this season. Do you attribute any of that to the portal? Do you think that 
for a program, like you said, where Kansas, you're trying to build something that hasn't been there in a while. Does the portal benefit, you know, you guys and other teams that are kind of like you more than it might benefit some of the blue bloods at the top? Um, yeah, I think so. Um, well, I don't know if it's going to help more because everyone can add depth. And, and I think for me is, you know, we've talked about it internally here. And I'll, I guess I'll say, share it with you is, you know, we're going to keep studying how old, you know, what is, you know, what's the roster like across the board or what's the roster like in the two deep now, you know, because of the portal, are you, are you injecting older players? So you're staying with high upperclassmen, junior seniors across the board in your two deep. And as you know, from playing size, speed, strength, but just overall, just maturity and life and how to watch film, there's a difference than, than it is when you just have younger players that are playing with a lot of talent. And, and I think that's helped us. Um, we did use the portal a lot. We were the youngest power five football team in the country last year. We're the third youngest overall. But at the same time, I've told people, we have about three transfers starting in that have transferred from last year. But where we're really getting a great contribution is that next layer. It might be multiple receivers or backs, our linebacker core, secondary. We're getting some of that from the use of that. And I'm sure others across the country are doing the same. No, I, I think it's a great point. Depth is so often such a huge differentiator in college football as you're you're trying to continue to build that momentum. Another place you've gotten great production, Jalen Daniels, your quarterbacks starting to get a lot of even dark horse Heisman talk now. Do you address that with him? You talked about with the whole team. We all know quarterback shoulders a different amount of the load for better or for worse. We put more on their plate. So have you talked with Jalen about all the attention I'm sure he's getting? Yeah. And, and uh, it's been a lot. And, he, and he's such a fine young man. And, if, you know, you, you see his personality, you see he's got a smile and, and, and charisma that lights up a, a room and, and, and that's who he is on a daily basis. And which is really neat. And we, we talked about it and last week wasn't his best day on the field. And there could be a lot of, can, you know, and, and let's give Iowa state their credit in that, but we've talked about trying to balancing it. And, and again, um, making sure he's honest with everyone beside, you know, we talk about the football part, uh, media requests, attention and all that, but, you know, we forget the academic component and other things that are going on in regular life as well. And we want to make sure, because as we know, for our program, it's really kind of, it's done on 180 in some of these things. And when you get hit with it, it, it it's going to be a little bit of a learning experience uh, for many of us. Coach that turnaround You've been a part of winning at a lot of places at a lot of levels, Wisconsin, Whitewater, Buffalo. We, we've all seen that. For you, I, I'm always curious when coaches are able to come in and really inject life right away like this into a program. Do you have something that as soon as you step foot on a new campus, when you first got to Lawrence last year, that's like the first line item on the to-do list for you as far as what you think a program needs to start getting not back on the right track? You know, I, you know, this was such a unique situation. So listening and learning a little bit about um, not just myself, but our strength coach met with everyone. Obviously, the coordinators met with everyone on the side of the ball, either through through Zoom, FaceTime or call, because really the, the week I got the job, they were finishing finals and left town for three weeks. So mm -hmm. it was even more unique uh, than ever. Um 
but it was asking what get their input of what was needed. You know, we've you've probably heard this, but you know, we have players in our program that had eight position coaches in their time. We have two, we had two uh, early enrollee quarterbacks that when I hired, brought Jim Zabrowski, our quarterback coach, in, it was their fourth position coach of the semester, and. And, and as you know, as a guy who's played, what's that like? Okay, everybody's saying do it a little different. Who do I trust? What do I do? But, but along with those meetings, they talked about, you know, leadership within the program, leadership from a coaching staff, structure, discipline, accountability. And when they're, they were saying the right words and knowing some things that could help make this program get better and better sooner. And I, I want to make sure, Mike, I, I add this, that's not against the previous staff per se. Mm-hmm. It's also about part of the situation we're under with COVID and, and routines and different things that were very much up in the air in that 2020 season that probably half a locker room really didn't know what normal was. And I think we've tried to raise our standards Tell them what the expectations are, but give them the consistency day in and day out. As someone who had four position coaches in five years, uh, that that consistency (laughs) goes a long way. There is no doubt. And Coach, I mean, that's your staff, too. You look up and down this staff that you've put together, and you see a lot of the same schools, all the stops that you've been at. A lot of coaches, when they start to make the jump up, especially to Power 5 jobs, you see them start to go and recruit other people as far as coordinators. Why was consistency with a staff you've been with for so long such an important thing for you? Because I think they're they're a huge reason why I sit in the chair I do. And uh, if if I'm ready for it, I, they're ready for it. And they've earned that. And I, and I think uh, trust and loyalty um, is is very important. It's a two-way street to me. And, and one of the things that um, that, uh, that allows us to do is that I, I have great confidence when I walk out of my office here, then you can see the door behind me there that I know, I know what the, the, the group down the hall is about. I know who they are. I know how they're going to recruit, how they're going to treat young men, how they're going to mold them. And that makes it easier for me to, to look at some, the smaller details that I do and things that I want, I need to do to improve our program in other ways. And then, you know, and it works very well for us. I, I do agree with you that there are programs that, yeah, recruiting is extremely important. So they look for guys in different areas and, and uh, it's not always you get to bring everyone with you and do some things, but we tried to bring as many as we possibly could here to Lawrence. It's been really exciting to see, Coach, and that success, that continuity has all got you guys to this point. And I always wonder, because for so much of this early part of this season, and I think I heard you talking about this either with Joel Klatt or with Greg McElroy, but everyone talked about how so many traditional basketball schools had had success on the football field early in this season. I saw Mark Stoops, I think, rightly bristle at some of that talk before the season over at Kentucky. For you guys, is there a little bit of that, you know, walking around a a little bit proud now because so many people do look at Kansas that way? And you guys are saying, no, you can play really good football here. This isn't just a basketball school. Um. Uh, first of all, I'd say, like I heard one of our players say, maybe it's after the West Virginia game or something about, yeah, it's going to be somebody walking around campus next week. I don't think it has anything to do with basketball. It just has to do with um, winning football games and having pride and, and, you know, putting on your Kansas football shirt or your letter jacket when it gets cold and having pride and saying it instead of kind of, 
you know, I'm not sure I really want to talk about that. Um, you know, Coach Self was just over here yesterday. We had a great chance to talk and things. And I, I always view it this way is, uh, you know, it's not a it's it's not a basketball versus football. I, I always tell people they're not on the schedule. Why am I going to worry about you know? That's not and 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 hopefully it's looked at that way by our fan base, our donors, and everyone else. In that uh, and and for me, anytime I can have a, an opportunity to learn from Coach Self and and his staff and the great tradition and atmosphere that they have, why wouldn't we want to embrace that? No, it's it's so true. You're right. I love that line. They're not on the schedule. It's what we always do when we have quarterbacks matched up against each other going into these games. They never play a snap <laughs> against each other. Um, Coach, all the noise surrounding the program, I, I don't want to dwell too long on this, but obviously as you continue to have success and as jobs open up around college football, your name gets mentioned a lot. But for you, how do you just deal with that noise? It's always going to be there. So for you as someone who is so dedicated to this team and who's pouring so much into this team, how do you kind of do what you're asking your players to do as far as blocking out that stuff? Well, you know, the more of these you do, the more you get asked about, you know, a few times a day. Uh, but internally, we, you have a routine and uh, I keep saying back to your day, you, you know what it's like. You, you go, you get off the practice field. I do a couple of these, then we're in the film room. Then we have a staff meeting. It's uh, there's enough things in the day to go through to not to sit and get into a speculation game. That said, anyone that looks at, you know, my career or our careers together, together as a staff is we're not people that have jumped around. Um, we've gone through. We're extremely happy here in Lawrence. We came to Lawrence to build a program for consistency, um, not for a quick stop. And we expect to be here a long time. Well, Coach, part of that long time is, like we talked about at the beginning, game day this weekend. It's going to be an awesome atmosphere for you guys. You got any message for the fans, for, for Lawrence, Kansas, and the Kansas student body as you guys get ready for this weekend and the celebration of Kansas football? Well, we've had an opportunity now to sell it the last two, which we greatly appreciate, and they've been a big difference. And we're hopefully we'll get a third sellout here uh, by the end of the week, and hopefully they get out to game day and enjoy that himself and be proud and be loud. And uh, um, they're a big part of our success as well, and we greatly appreciate them. Well, Coach, it's been a ton of fun to watch you guys. You guys have been one of the real bright spots of the college football season, and I have no doubt that's going to continue as game day rolls into Lawrence and the rest of your guys' season keeps going here. So, Coach, thanks so much. Best of luck this weekend. We appreciate you giving us some time. Thank you very much, Mike. Appreciate it. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Brandon, time to land the damn plane. Do you know what time it is? Ooh. Oh, spooky. That's October for yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the truth. As I realize as I realized right now that the Joe Moore Award shirt I'm wearing kind of looks like five ghosts if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Yes. It looks like a Halloween themed football shirt, so it probably needs a little bit more crossover. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that later. Talking about money making ideas. <clears throat> On to the set in the third. He did that and the third. This, that, the third. It was a graveyard smash. This, that, the third. It caught on in a flash. This, that, the third. He did the monster mash. Oh. So I knew the Monster Mash had to be coming at some point because, again, there's very few spooky season thongs that have songs. Thongs. Wow. Uh, well, baby. Um, very few spooky season songs that have persisted as much as the Monster Mash. Brandon's probably going to have it edited out of the podcast, but I want you guys to know that he spent a solid two minutes getting up the courage to try and pull that off before he finally <laughs> let loose on it. So as always, if you enjoyed it, you appreciate his effort. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, go Joe, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review and telling Brandon how much you like that and continuing to give ideas for Halloween spooky season songs. Brandon yes, mentioned you. we had about 20 days in the lead up to this that he wanted to fill with spooky themed covers for this, that, and the third. So far, we're three days into that and we have already played a lot of the biggest hits. So if you've got songs, <laughs> we're going to need them. No. Not only did we play the biggest hits, I've struggled mightily throughout them. So everyone's like, okay, maybe do I want this in October? Yes, you're getting it. So I, uh, I mean, again, the first welcome. two days were Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder. There's a reason you struggled. <laughs> it's because anyone would struggle. And I will extend that grace your way. Um, Brandon, uh, let's get to this. Um when we talked last about Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns, he was getting set to sell the team after being fined $10 million and suspended a year uh, for his workplace conduct that included allegations of sexism, misogyny, racism, all these things that uh, are usually the triple crown of getting you kicked out of wherever you're working, even if you're the guy at the helm of yeah. all of this. And for Robert Sarver... As the sale of the team comes up, we did say that fine is chump change because even if he's forced to sell the team, he's going to make a lot of money. And according to one investment bank official, it'll be the highest price ever paid for an NBA team. That previous record uh, was $2.35 billion 
for the sale of the Brooklyn Nets uh, when Joe Sy bought them in 2019. So dude stands to make a ton of money, which is a reminder that for anyone that wanted to claim that he was being canceled or anything, which I didn't see as much of this time, I think the full NBA report and the reporting that we saw kind of eliminated the doubt that this guy was anything other than a bad dude who was doing way too much at the helm of this company and affecting very negatively the lives of the people who worked for him. So we got that out of the way, but he's still going to make a boatload of money. And who buys it on the other side is the interesting part to me now, Brandon, because Shaquille O'Neal talked to TMZ and on his podcast that you mentioned, uh, we also have Anthony Adams, a part of the big podcast, and apparently said that he had thought about throwing his hat in the ring for potential ownership of this team. But when he saw the names that were involved in this, uh, among others being Jeff Bezos, he said, JB scared me off. I don't want any parts of that. He goes, I ordered 12 things from Amazon earlier today. That man's got different money. Yeah, that's that's very true. He's uh, He went to space just to see what it looked like up there. Um, but also, and I want to di- continue to disrespect this person, but I'm pretty sure it's Bezos. Bezos, Bezos. I, he's he's less than a god, but more than a man at this point. You can't have that much money and influence yeah. and be normal. So I, my favorite thing about I, Jeff Bezos is when he shows up at sporting events and tries to look and act normal. He was at the Thursday night football game that was on Amazon Prime, and him and Goodell were sitting up in the booth, probably just speaking in zeros and ones. He had that really uncomfortable oh, like handshake where with a fan, he was touching a normal person and un, one of the Ooh. unwashed, which I was shocked that he would even do without gloves Mm. on but did you see the person reached down and he like grabbed their hand from the side really uncomfortably no i did not see that but it's it's right on par for the aliens um or the one if you're he probably doesn't have like all of the the mechanics for that amazon hand he's working you know what I mean? Like it's, it's still new. <laughs> he's still he's still working on his version of the Darth Vader hand. Which, by the way, if this is bugged and Jeff Bezos is listening, Jeff, please don't hurt us. We're sorry, but um, he is one of the people no. uh, potentially bidding for this, according to a report uh, by ESPN. Up there with Disney CEO Bob Iger, uh, Bob Iger, former Oracle CEO Larry Ellison, and Lorene Powell Jobs, the former wife of Apple co-founder Steve Jobs. So you got all the power wow. players in here, man, which is just a reminder that right now owning a pro sports team is one of the surest. Ba- I mean, they have survived the pandemic and retained value in a way that is you know should make us all remember that when we heard a bunch of owners cry poor about the money they were going to lose, they were all full of shit. They were able to incur that pretty well. Most of them have outside money, and this is their side project. And owning one of these teams, in addition to, I'm sure, being a fun pet project, also holds an incredible amount of value. So Robert Sarver is going to get dumb paid. One of these rich people is probably going to buy this team. I hope they bring Shaq on in some sort of partial ownership role because, hell, former players should be getting a piece of this pie. We've seen Magic Johnson do it. We know LeBron James wants to do it. Let the diesel go out here and get some of this damn money. Um, But Brandon... Let's get to that. And before we get to that, um, we talked so much about big money here. We want to help you guys save money, and that's where our friends at Knockaround Sunglasses come into play. You don't need to be Jeff Bezos to avoid Knockaround Sunglasses and look good doing it. Their polarized sunglasses (laughs) cost just $30 a pair. It's incredible. I know. Got some right here, actually, as we talk about Aaron Judge and the all-rise, the Knockaround. Yeah. You ain't got the baseball joints. Oh, yeah. I believe these are called the dugout. 
uh, is the style here. So we got a little baseball stitching on the side, got some two-tone on the front here, looking good, feeling better. And that's what you can do too, because Knockaround has a ton of custom options. You can customize the front, the arms, the lenses, the logo. You can design a pair for game day. You can design a pair as we get to October and we start to see some postseason baseball, over a billion possible combinations of the Knockaround Custom Shop. Perfect. For any occasion, a baseball game, going out in a run, simply sitting around alone in your house, even with the lights off, just wanting to feel fresh. All of those Ooh, things yes. are possible with knockaround sunglasses. Yeah, you can do it too, Brandon. You can do it too. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. Go check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com. And use promo code GOJO when you do. It'll get you 20% off already. Very affordable sunglasses at checkout. So again, knockaround.com, promo code GOJO, 20% off already affordable sunglasses. They're also really good, Brandon, for taking them off dramatically to make a point. Ooh, I like that. I, I mean, can I do another uh, personal testimony of knockaround sunglasses? Yes, you can. Absolutely. So for all my dads out there or moms, um, that have their children around them, but you have your nice expensive sunglasses all the way around and, you know, there's that time where you uh, accidentally smash their hand because they reached for the, the designer frames. When my, when my kids reach for these knockarounds, I put them on their face. I'm like, hey, let's see what you look like in them. Here, have fun. Enjoy. I don't worry about you uh, breaking them. You can knock those around and give them right back to daddy so I can use them for the polarized uh, lenses, but... I just wanted to, to, to mention that my, my family has really taken to the knockaround brand. I saw your wife, Michelle, post a picture of Carter wearing the knockarounds, looking great, little dad, little father-son time there, bonding over the low cost of high-quality polarized sunglasses. What a beautiful thing, bringing families just, together. Just sunbathing with my two-year-old and some knockarounds. Damn, you love to see it. Brandon, you also love to see that, and that is uh, Victor Wembanyana. Uh, a man who I didn't know existed until last night and now want to know everything Stop. about. I I didn't. Did you? You knew about this guy. I had... <laughs> yes, I did. They threw talk. Uh, it was like one of those things where like the uh, the draft before Trevor Lawrence came. It was like, oh, we're talking about these quarterbacks, but this guy next year. Like This is what the, the vibe was for Victor this entire time. Uh, yeah, Brandon, for some reason, I have a real blind spot for anything – in the realm of recruiting. I don't even follow Notre Dame football recruiting all that closely anymore, let alone players coming up, and now we have all these avenues, and this is part of the story. So Victor Wamanyana is a seven foot five projected number one overall pick who plays in France right now for a team called the Metropolitans. They came over to play the G League Ignite Squad, which is one of these other leagues that has started up and become an alternate avenue for young amateur basketball players to go and start making money instead of having to go to college and do that whole one-and-done deal. So Victor Wamanyana's team played against um, the G League Ignite team that also is home to the projected number two pick in Scoot Henderson. So the top two picks, both playing in this game, both not playing in college basketball. And dude went off. And again, I cannot stress enough. This man is seven foot five inches tall and ended up with 37 points in this game, including, I believe, seven made threes and five <laughs> blocks, which was... He was 11 of 20, uh, or no, Henderson finished 11 for 21 in this game. So he was super good. Womidiana finished 11 for 20 with 7 for 11 from 3 and 5 blocks. 
It was absurd. You had Chris Paul and Asia Wilson on hand there watching it. And Brandon, when people started circulating this again, I normally don't pay. I I can't tell you the last time that I, as a casual basketball fan, really had a handle on some of the international prospects heading into a draft. Even when we've had big names like Giannis or, um, you know, like we've seen, like Luka Doncic. I've usually found out about them in the couple of weeks leading up to the draft when that stuff starts to really Mm -hmm. hit a fever pitch. This dude's 18 and a testament to one of the things that I always firmly believe about sports is as much as we have gotten to a place where, especially in basketball, in the Steph Curry world where skill and three-point shooting have become so much a part of this, there are very few substitutes for bigger, faster, stronger when it comes to catching mm. the in general interest. And once I saw a dude with 7-5 with guard handles, shooting threes like that, pulling up, double clutching, going up for layups... I was all in because a chance to see, and this is part of the evolution of modern basketball as it's become positionless, as it's put an emphasis on being able to operate from beyond the arc, you get more Kevin Durant's, Chet Holmgren's, even Giannis Antetokounmpo, who you could consider a stretch five, are all these mutants that are a result of the way basketball is played and the fact that we still have freaks of nature, human, you know, phenomenons actually willing to go out there and try it. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Uh, I think I this guy first got on my radar, obviously following the Chet Holmgren uh, madness. Um, I just sent you a picture of the first time I saw Victor standing next to Chet Holmgren. Oh and my God! Victor's shoulders are at yes. Victor's shoulders are at Chet Holmgren's ears. Uh, so that's if when I just, started doing my. If you're digging, just listening the- on the podcast, think about the first time you saw the picture of Yao Ming next to Shaq. That appears to be the size discrepancy. Yes. Oh. Mike's Mike's oh. analyzing the fo- the photo. I just sent it to him. <laughs> it's scary. It's just, and like we're not talking about him actually playing basketball. We're we're talking about him standing next to the guy Chet Holmgren, who looked like he was going to do very very real good great things for Oklahoma City before his injury uh, in the program. But we expect him to come back and do great things. If this guy is better and bigger and faster than Chet, and he clearly seems to be bigger, faster, stronger than Chet, yes, this is going to be uh, Yao Ming, Shaq, uh, Allen Iverson, Ja Morant, all that type of Zion. Like, this is the type of – I don't know about explosion when it comes to, like, that type of stuff for Zion, but, like, this guy's going to be a force. And if you tell me Asia Wilson and Chris Paul were at the at this game, like, yeah, he – He's somebody. It's he's he he also owns one of my favorite quotes. And again, didn't know this guy existed until about I'd say eleven o'clock Eastern last night. And then I found this quote. Um, this is from Tim Reynolds, who covers the NBA for the AP. Um, Victor Wembanyama was talking and asked about Scoot Henderson, who awesome name and the number two prospect in this yes. upcoming draft. Seems destined for stardom with that kind of name. A one-name guy always puts you into a different stratosphere. But he said, when asked about Scoot Henderson, quote, he's a really great player. If I was never born, I think he would deserve the first spot. Wow. Yes. I mean, think about that, Mike. How many how many things like that can you say with a, with a microphone in your face? <laughs> If they're asking about somebody else, like, yeah, yeah, they're they're good. But like maybe if I wasn't born, maybe they'd be the best. 
that the only thing I've ever been able to say that out about and I've maintained for a long time, I am the LeBron James of sweating through shirts on airplanes. And I think I want to upgrade that to I am the LeBron James of sweating through shirts while podcasting. It is the surest bet about me is that when I sit down in front of a microphone for longer than nine minutes, that would be a radio segment. I am going to sweat my whole ass off. So maybe if I was never born, Brandon, you might deserve that number one spot, but I'm still here. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I think I might be the, I might be LeBron, be the LeBron James of why is he on this podcast? Like every time somebody like goes around and like jumps around, I'm like why the who? How did he end up here? It's like, ah, mother, I'm here, baby. Who got you? Whoop! Somebody got to do it. Whip. Nene, hey. I just I just like found myself doing the Dennis Rodman clip from the Last Dance documentary. Oh my gosh! Yep. Or now I want to do the A B and we're not talking about nope. Antonio Brown, but the Oh yeah. A very a very important clarification on which A B because Antonio Brown keeps oh, yes. every rock. Um Brandon, let's get to the third though. Check out Victor Wemediana, by the way. I like as the yes. ultimate casual, as NBA fans would call me. This dude is the goods, and you're going to want to get into the ground floor on this one. We got us a big French phenom, and I, for one, am jazzed. But, uh, Brandon, I am also jazzed because big news out of the world of baseball. Um, I don't know how acquainted you are with the Savannah Bananas, Brandon. Have you heard of them? Oh, um, after that viral sensation that they had about a couple weeks back, and also just the fact that their name were the Savannah Bananas, I'm following. So, yeah, following. the Savannah Bananas, for anyone unaware, are a viral sensation baseball league. They're actually a member of the Coastal Plains League, which is a college wood bat league that's like about a rung below the Cape Cod League, which a fair amount of players, people have heard of. But they have separate games called banana ball games with different rules and a different roster that go out and do all the viral shit that you've seen. People wearing stilts, group dances in the middle of it, bats with the pitchers, the infielders, and the outfields. All sorts of wild shit. They're an entertainment product. It's WWE meets baseball. It's been incredible. And now, Brandon, they are getting set to take their show on the road. Savannah Bananas reveal that they have a 2023 Banana Ball World Tour with 70 games in 33 cities across 21 states, including 30 games in Savannah between February 16th and September 16th. And Brandon, mana from heaven. Now, you remember, last time on Dragon Ball Z, my crossover event with baseball throwing out the first pitch at Dunkin' Donuts Park for the Hartford Yard Goats. Yes. Well, August 14th, 2023... Mike? The Savannah Bananas World Tour is heading to Hartford, Connecticut to the number one double-A ballpark in America about three years running at Dunkin' Donuts Park. And Brandon, this feels like another road trip that we've got to make back to see this sensation because when you take the Bananas and the brand that is Dunkin' Donuts Park and the Yard Goats, you got the makings of magic, my friend. You got the makings of magic. Absolutely, Mike. I think we may be... Maybe we need to get uh, talk to the people. You know, you talk to your people at the Hartford, Har- uh, Hartford Yard Goats. Maybe an old-fashioned mascot race. Uh, you know, I- I'm trying to think of, like, creative ways to get us involved in this game that that uh, doesn't take away from, you know, this, the Savannah Bananas World Tour. So, um, a lot of times, and there's, like, former Major League players that are on this team, like um, people who've 
been great college players, some pro players that pop in and that. I think a good place. So they sort of have like their version of the Washington Generals um, in this. Um, the party, okay. the party yes. animals are the team that they go up against all the time. So maybe sneak appearance yeah. is a part of the party animals. Find a way to work into a role Ooh. like that. I'm just saying, bananas. We can be a friend to you as someone who has been one of the foremost fans of the Hartford Yard Goats. And I don't have a claim to fame most places. That's about the one spot that I do. And so I feel like me, maybe uh, Yard Goats legend Susie Hunter, uh, shouts out to her, could go back and find our way into helping the party animals try and take down the Savannah Bananas. That feels like destiny. So if anyone listening to this right now has a Savannah Bananas plug or a connection, let us know. I got the Hartford Yard Goats side covered. We're going to be there. I'm going to plant that flag now. And so maybe by next year we can turn that into like a podcast meetup event or something. It seems like as good an occasion to rally around as anything. But in the meantime... We're yeah. just going to try and make sure we get our foot in the door with the right people. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm I'm thinking about the Louisville River Bats that I've now recognized that they've renamed just the regular Bats. The, their minor league, international league, uh, AAA affiliate for the Cincinnati Reds out in Louisville. Very disappointing that we that we dropped the river. Uh, the Yard Goats and the Savannah Bananas. Like, I thought we were really in, in competition being the River Bats, but uh, – now we're just the normal bets. Damn. Well, you know what? Our two campaigns, one, get Mike and Brandon to the Bananas game at Dunkin' Donuts Park. And then two, put the river back in bats. It's time, Louisville. It's time to bring back the river. Um, yes. We appreciate everyone who's floated down this lazy river of life with us today on the podcast. If you liked it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Check out the press release for the Savannah Bananas and see if they're coming to a ballpark near you. They're hitting a lot of AAA and AA ballparks around this great nation. Could be a great experience for you. You enjoy that. Also, make sure you check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel under the Gojo with Mike Cola Jr. playlist on there. Hit the like button, all that good stuff we greatly appreciate it and we greatly appreciate you thanks so much we'll talk to you tomorrow